0: I'm crushing your head. The PGA has announced that they are moving their headquarters to the hometown of the Good Day Sir Studios, which is the home, home place of the uh, Good Day, Sir, the famous Good Day Sir show. And the Cowboys. And the, and the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Yes, which is our next-door neighbor here. Yeah. Who else is here? We've got uh, FC Dallas, our professional soccer club.
1: Yeah. We have, well, if we want to go companies, we have Toyota.
0: Texas Legends. No, well, I'm just thinking sports. and oh. I, I, You can't even name all the sports. There's so many. We have the Texas Legends. Um, the Stars practice practice here. Uh, we have... Um, what's the minor league baseball team right across the street? Um, Rough Riders. Have oh. you not been to a Rough Riders game? You should Mm-mm. take your kids to some of these. They're fun. And they're so easy to get into. It's not
1: like... Oh, we've been to the... We've been to the- to the stadium for soccer, so we did. We did a lot of uh, oh, because they got all the those girls, fields. The girls' yeah. soccer team, yeah,
0: yeah. There's a lot of fields. What's that called? Toyota, just it's Toyota something. I think
1: it's Toyota. Yeah. yeah.
0: Anyway, yeah, the PGA is um, this just. I mean, it's been rumored for a while. We we know they've been working on it, but it was, yeah, it's it's officially yesterday. So it's actually going to be up at you know. So you know where I where I live, like right off the tollway, uh-huh. and that there's you. I don't even. It's when you leave my neighborhood, you probably leave out that more, northernmost road, Panther Creek. I always so, go Panther Creek. Yep. So that's where they're starting. It's going to be between, that whole Pan- field. between Panther Creek and, and 380 is, is, wow. is going to be PGA. So they're moving um, there. Well, it's going to be a total of 600 acres. And see, a lot of that, what's interesting, a lot of it is, is um, what, like floodplain because Panther Creek runs through there, mm-hmm. the actual creek, not the road. And so a lot of it's floodplain, when, and, and so now it's going to be Expensive golf state or golf course real estate, which is great because we're going to get tax revenue on what would have been zero tax revenue.
1: Are you a golfer? I'm
0: not. I'm not a golfer and I will not you, become a golfer. Are you about to be? No. no, I'm not.
1: I used to golf. I kind of want to get back into it. I, I think my daughter might enjoy it. So I'm, I might I try to get back into it and get her into it. I
0: just realized I probably shouldn't. I need to angle this thing. Can I do that still so I can see you and so that I don't get too many reflect, sound reflections back? No, so 600, 600 acres total, 540 acres for golf courses. The project is going to be about $520 million. 100,000 square feet for PGA offices. So I, I think they're moving. They're going to have, a, I guess, a couple hundred employees here. Uh-huh. 127,000 square feet of a conference center, which will be owned by the city of Frisco. A new, a new Omni Hotel. So, you know, there's the one right here at the Star. And then uh-huh. there's, they're going to build a new one. Omni is like a big partner in this. I guess they're putting a bunch of money up and stuff, but 500-room 500, 500 Omni. Uh, 40,000 square foot of retail space. I guess, I guess they're copying this whole star model uh, with the retail. I just now thought of that. 30, 35,000 square foot clubhouse. Um, two 18-hole championship golf courses. And I think they're, they said that in, I think, 2027 and 2034, we'll host the PGA something Grand Tour. I don't know what it is. Hmm. This is uh, a little I know about golf. I guess there's a big PGA thing every year, a big tournament or a championship or Isn't something. Is that usually in Scottsdale? I think it I think it floats around. Oh. I do think Scottsdale had gets some good golf stuff. It seems like a very much a golf town.
1: Anyway, so that's exciting. What's well, gonna suck given the rain we have, but during drought it should be fine.
0: Yeah. I'm just glad I bought property here in Frisco ten years ago, eleven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Turned out to be one of the best decisions I've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very short list. Uh <laughs> oh, all right. Um well, what do we want to start with, John?
1: Um uh, I always like to start starting with community stuff. Let's just
0: go let's let's Okay. That's good. Let's just go top to bottom one. I don't know if this is really
1: ordered, but let's just let's try that. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. Uh so this one's uh we can use the name, Steven no with no E. Sorry, this is how I pronounce it. Um
0: He's got to be like an honorary member of the podcast by now I think
1: he's just <laughs> is he just trolling us now at this point <laughs> um, i I think you once we come up with a clever nickname for you, then you're in right yeah I guess so
0: right so th- and i I actually got this email i must I must have a client that's on n a thirty three but they, they i guess there was a service disruption, and they had to do the site switch right and it, interestingly, the original site that they were on was here in Dallas, and they had to site switch it to I Phoenix? It, Phoenix, was yeah. it, I think, something like that. But when they, <laughs> I guess during the switch, or if it's after the switch, I mean, for a period of time, transactions are still happening at the old site. But they've already, mo- they've already done an official code over to the new site, and so they can't, it's like, it's now you have a split, you have a tear in the universe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You have two universes. It's like Schrodinger's pod. <laughs> <laughs> And so the problem is, for, the, for a period of time, and I think it was in the middle of the night, so I think for most companies, it's probably not that big of a deal. But there were, whatever transactions you had happening did not make it over to the new site.
1: Right, for about a period of an hour? I think, I something like that. It seems like a long time, like, really? But it was early morning, it was like 6, right. so in the morning. Right, so
0: again, that's why I said, for most companies, it's probably not a big deal. But right. some companies, it, it, it will be. I mean, just, just depends on what you're schedule and your model and where you do business, right? Right. And you know, they say, "Okay, we didn't we don't we didn't technically lose any data. We've got your data somewhere in some format. It's probably some raw Oracle transaction log." Mm-hmm. Right? So they can say they didn't lose data, right? <laughs> hey, we've never lost data or whatever, you know. Actually, they have lost data, right?
1: Uh or, no. yeah. I don't know.
0: But if you they basically say, "Hey, if you know, if, if whatever you were doing during this period of downtime, or it wasn't down, that's the problem. It would have been better if it went down, maybe, because then you wouldn't have been able to think, you wouldn't have been able to do transactions. But the problem is it, it stayed up. The old site stayed up, and whatever you did for that pe- hour period of time doesn't exist anymore. So if, but we have it somewhere, right? In some closet, in some basement, you know, <laughs> under the <laughs> Thanksgiving tower here in Dallas or something, right? And, so if you really need that, you can contact us and we will make very vague and unspecified promises to you about how you may be able to get that data back. Because <laughs> the problem is you can't just raw apply those transactions to your, new, to, to your current database.
1: That's what I was curious about is how do you do that? You can't, you, you no. can't, the problem you can't but, amend the log, or you can't we, merge the we log. We learned about or?
0: this in Back to the Future. You can't just, you're going to affect, you can't go back, and t- you can't go to the past and change things and not expect it to affect the future. <laughs> you know, you can't do that.
1: Right. This is totally a back to the future problem. That's <laughs> exactly what this is. Wouldn't it be funny if they had to they had to like get the data and do it use the data loader to get it back in?
0: <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't
1: yeah. I don't know.
0: I don't know how they do that. Anyway.
1: I mean, all in all, I mean, it it seemed to be pretty minor. I guess I, I really didn't hear anybody really talking about it. It's minor I, it was, unless it
0: really screwed you and your, you know, if you were doing. It only, it only
1: happened to small companies. It wasn't the big guys who could scream and I don't yell. Know, and, I, don't, I don't know who happened
0: to. But the funny thing was, so I got this email. But then about 15 minutes later, I'm guessing, it came very, very quickly. I got an email saying, disregard that last email.
1: Was it for this, though? I did get a disregard email, but I, didn't, I don't remember getting this email. or Maybe I did and I threw it away.
0: Let me see if I can find it. I don't even know what, I have so many email accounts. This is going to.
1: So did this happen or did it not happen? (laughs) That's the problem with Schrodinger's pod. You don't know if it even happened or not. I mean, this is a, this is a lot of text for it to be an accidental message that got sent out. Yeah. Uh, Let's see from,
0: uh, who'd that come from? From info at salesforce.com. Was that what it was? It's loading. It. Come on, Gmail.
1: Jeez. Oh,
0: oh, my gosh. Too much stuff. That was You're NA33 boring me,
1: Jeremy. I yawned. <laughs> anyway,
0: um, maybe it's a different email account. NA33. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that went. But I got an email about, um, oh, here we go. Here I found it. It was on my third, third email account that I tried. You recently received an email from Salesforce with a subject line, attention, action may be required due to the NA33 service disruption. This email was sent to you in error. Please disregard this email. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know if it it didn't happen or if it did happen, but they just thought that I shouldn't have been notified about that.
1: I Maybe. Know. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I never know either because I've got so many logins to so many different I know. orgs and I get. You
1: know, I, I tend to, du- I, I get so many duplicates of those. I I just kind of get rid of I'll try to read the first one and then I'll just start deleting. But a lot of times I just I don't I don't mess with it unless some unless it's happening to an org that I'm actively working on. Yeah. But there there's a bit of an issue there because now clients are going to be our clients these days are less and less aware of what instance they're on. It used to be you were really well well aware of what instance you're on. It's right there in the URL. But now with my domain people are less aware of what domain they're That's on.
0: That's true. And Actually, I don't even know how to find out what domain you're on, other than if you just do a DNS lookup on your my domain, it will C name over to the. Does it tell you in your
1: organization settings or your company I, info settings? I don't know. I
0: think it does. I think there's a way to find that, but I don't know. I mean, the way I do it is just drop to a command line, and like you can probably. I bet. I bet if you ping your my domain, it will. It'll show you pinging. It'll show that what the C name
1: is, or at least in my terminal, it does. Oh but that's going to be a hurdle for them to overcome. I know. N a 33 but I'm on company. There's a dot lot of benefits. It, the,
0: the my domain bothered me at first, but I keep finding reasons why it's actually really useful.
1: No, it is really useful. It's really yeah. useful.
0: So that was that was smart for various reasons. Anyway, um okay, so the next thing is Microsoft is
1: Gonna, we need a shuffle because these are going to be all you, and then all me, and then all you. Oh uh, well, that's maybe weird. we
0: should we. Have, okay, so that's the question: is should we have, should we pre shuffle these, or should they? Should we live shuffle them? No, we'll just jump go, around. We'll just go down it for today. Okay. Yeah, so this is these are in no order. I mean, not that we're ever in any kind of order. <laughs> but I, I guess Microsoft's going to dump Edge.
1: Uh, yeah, that's what that's what I heard. That's what I read is that they're going to. Build a chromium based, which pretty much everything you know, is chromium based, right? Except for Firefox, or is Firefox what, now?
0: Now has did Chrome not? Okay, so this is where I don't understand all the technical components of Chrome. They created a new rendering engine called Blink. Right? Was that was that Chrome? Yeah, that was Chrome. And they're actually moving on from from what was the, what was it? was it Chromium? Was
1: there Chromium was, and I, I know they're working on a new they. I, I recall at some point learning that they were working on a new one. I don't know what that is called, though.
0: Yeah, so I know Chrome moved on. They decided to build a, a new rendering engine that was... just it wasn't Chromium or whatever the previous rendering engine was called. Wasn't that based on WebKit? No, I don't know. I, I don't either. I, th- I thought they forked WebKit, and that's what became Chromium, but I could be wrong. I know that's what happened with Safari. Or Safari is actually still based on WebKit, I believe.
1: Oh, thought Safari or, moved to Chromium recently. Maybe I could be wrong. I don't think
0: so. I, no, my, my think, impression is that I think they're still rendering. No, I think Safari is still a different rendering engine. Okay, but you know this, this article that I read said that Edge had struggled to gain traction, and and it said thanks to its continued instability and lack of mindshare from users and web developers. That, that was it unstable? I just I don't run Windows. I don't know. Was it unstable? I mean, I pop into Edge to to test things, but I've, I mean, I don't. i have never been a regular user, so it's just, yeah,
1: I, I don't. I can't speak to how stable or unstable it was, but I do know that there was quite a bit of deviation. It, it was tough for them to catch up to the level of support that Chromium had for all the latest CSS and JavaScript stuff. Um, you would always see an asterisk by the IEs and the edges. But
0: Edge has always been way ahead of like. Of, cor- of course, this is I guess what they're saying. IE,
1: though, sure, right? but I think that was at a sure. Fi- force and will that that they were able to get some of those well, standards IE's, implemented. Well, IE
0: is, you know, Dead Man Walking, right? That's why that's why Chromium is, or not Chromium, but that's why Edge has, if you look at, you know, can I use, or what is it? Is it can I use? Mm-hmm. Or whatever, you know, it, Edge supports way more things than I because IE ha- stopped at 11 hasn't been developed in years now.
1: But it still has limited support. Like, I don't think it supports the same caching mechanism that Chromium does and everything, so... In fact, that's one of the asterisks you'll see on Salesforce when it comes to edge is the caching and performance issues.
0: I feel like Chrome always kicks everyone's ass though when it comes to what they support. I mean they're always just out there on the leading edge.
1: Oh, well, to their benefit.
0: I mean, I guess because when you want to develop an app and you know that it's an app that, you know, is six months out or whatever, I mean, uh-huh. you're gonna develop an I mean, Chrome is gonna be a, a, a big tool for you because it's gonna support Some of these newer APIs and the things that are just more recently, or not even standardized yet, but are on the standardized standardization track. Mm -hmm. Um, The only probably the only place you're going to be able to run it is Chrome for the time being. Yeah, because the other browsers are are just going to lag behind in in support for some of these things.
1: Yeah, I plus I mean mean, a lot of their so Chromium and other browsers did have um, specific tags as well to kind of support certain features, whereas everything with Microsoft and Edge seemed to be kind of a hack. Like, there was no, here's a Radius that for Mozilla, and here's a Radius for Safari, and here's a Radius for Chrome, and then here's Radius, whenever that gets supported. Yeah. Um, but I don't think there was ever a, an Edge or IE version of that. It was always the, that little hack that you could do in the CSS with, like, a comment slash something, and then hack your way into it to kind of get the browser to do what you wanted.
0: Hmm. I'm, I'm not sure I was aware of that. I know that for the long time there was the... Um, like doc type switching or whatever. There
1: was, but there was there. You could structure your CSS in a way that would kind of shortcut the CSS renderer in, in IE and make things. It was work. like
0: a bug in IE, right? Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah.
1: You were exploiting a bug, <laughs> yeah. is what you were doing, but you would kind of and basically, then they, and ha- then
0: they couldn't fix that bug, right?
1: It's <laughs> the problem with bugs, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
0: So what else here? So that yeah. So that it gained. I, I didn't realize this, but it, it gained. It, it was not gaining traction. But I'm. But I do what I understand if you're on any reasonably modern version of windows isn't edge your only option i mean as far as like what comes with the os cuz I, I actually i think the, the biggest problem is is i see windows users who aren't even like advanced users just no kind of intermediate at best running chrome on their windows box uh-huh. i mean in the edge logo is right there but people just know to go out and
1: get chrome because they were well it depends on what sites they use. I've I've been to sites that say that will pop up a message saying, "Hey, this site is better used on Chrome or, or Google." I'm sorry. Yeah, you still Chrome. see those
0: messages? Th- those messages those should have died fifteen years ago. I don't Do you remember know. those? This site best viewed with Netscape Navigator 4.0. It's like, oh my god, are you killing I mean, and back then it was that was a real problem, and you kind of needed that because
1: yeah. But I've seen them as 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 early as Chrome oh, being god, recommended.
0: People should be fired. Whoever's doing that still. Salesforce? Hey, if Salesforce no, I mean if Salesforce is going to make it work on a on all
1: modern browsers, they can't and, make it work. What do you mean? If you're on a certain browser, it'll kick you out into classic.
0: A certain it, crappy slash old browser, maybe.
1: Well, the, some some companies are still on older technology. They haven't. Th- that's they haven't, an
0: old excuse. People are keeping up now, people, because for security reasons, you've got to patch and you got to be patched and stayed, you know, kept up to date.
1: You'd be surprised. There's some people that are still using some kind of Java applet or some kind oh of like no visual Visual Basic. Both component, com, object, model, whatever that used to be. There are still people using that stuff.
0: There are big Salesforce partners that are still pushing out, um, what was it, uh, the Java Web Start <laughs> applications. There's, there's still... I couldn't believe it when I saw that. I, I virtual I've terminals seen, out there. I have not seen a Web Start app in at least in a while, in at least five years, and then I come across this one from a major Salesforce partner. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> uh, okay, what else about this? So... Microsoft is throwing in the towel with Edge HTML as instead, what I guess it was their render, and is building a, a, a new web browser powered by Chromium, which uses a similar re- rendering engine, first popularized by Chrome's browser known as Blink. Oh, so they're, they're using Blink. Oh, they're going to use Blink. So that's Chrome's, new, that's Chrome's new rendering engine is Blink. Okay. So this is actually great for the web. I mean oh actually this is this well, is great. not it's, this is not necessarily great for them. it's great in that if your site renders well on Chrome it's going to render just fine on Edge now or whatever that whatever's replacing Edge
1: I want, browser, that saf- I want to say that because the same rendering I want to say that Safari is using Chrome but but what happens
0: but, when you have a monoculture and you have one major browser that rules the internet do you I, remember what happened do you remember what happened when that happened when yeah, well, IE ruled, when
1: IE was ninety ninety five 95% but of the web. that wasn't the issue with IE. The, IE, the issue with IE is that it came it pre-installed and there was no the No, the issue reason. was
0: there was no, when you, when you own the web, you don't have to compete. You don't have to innovate. You can just do a really crappy job of implementing whatever standards you want, however you want to, and people just have to live with it.
1: But that's not how this evolved. And what I was going to say is that the reason I think this is good is because rendering of HTML and supporting standards that's pretty universal stuff that everyone's trying to standardize on. All these companies are part of the, what is it, the WWW <laughs> consortium, the
0: World I, I, Wide Web consortium. Yeah, I said
1: that on purpose, but yeah, I know. Um,
0: you said too many, one too many W's. Did
1: still, I? It's just still, yeah. still. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, it allows them to focus on, on value-added features on top of just rendering the page. Just right. like Safari has their reader, which I use all the time. There, there are plenty of times I'm trying to read an article. There's too many ads. I'll jump over Safari. Reader, like the
0: reader mode thing?
1: Yeah, you do okay. the reader mode and I can actually read the article without a bunch of ads and other stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it allows, it allows these companies to kind of focus on providing value added features versus ren- focused on rendering and right. patching bugs and yeah. all that kind of stuff.
0: But don't you think, I mean, don't you see what I'm saying though? Like, we need, even in the rendering engine space,
1: we need competition. Yeah, but it's, 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 an, it's an open source, so they can fork it and so they can still do things to it. It's not like it's closed source That's and, true. and it's proprietary. And that helps. That helps. But
0: that's still, that still—that doesn't necessarily mean it's still not the four hundred pound gorilla that everyone's got to try to beat. Sure. Again, there's benefits to it because if you—I mean, it's—it's gonna—it's gonna really help with the whole oh, it did, works in Chrome but doesn't work in Edge like that—that that problem, which already is not—it's so much better than it used to be. All you, all you youngins who are new to <laughs> application development on the web—I mean, it was oh my gosh, it is so much better than what it used to be. But now, if everyone's just standardizing on Blink, then it's going to be even better.
1: I think the, the messaging around be Microsoft, or at least Internet Explorer, is just, it's just gotten such a bad reputation. And Edge, never, Edge was not able to, to change that. I didn't know
0: that. I did not know that. It yeah, this new one's codenamed Anaheim, uh,
1: which will replace
0: Edge as the default browser on Windows 10.
1: Why Anaheim? How do you like Windows 10, John? I like it. You like it? It's fine. I mean, it's not my everyday operating system, but I do load it up every so often, and it's fine. Microsoft
0: engineers were recently spotted committing code to the Chromium project to help get Google Chrome running on ARM. So this is, inter- this is a little interesting. Yeah. I feel like we kind of buried the lead, actually. That's like at the bottom of this article, totally burying the lead, which <laughs> is, what's happening with ARM? There's a lot happening with
1: ARM. It's well, not just Microsoft, it, it's also is it Apple. Google? Is it Google or Amazon that's de- developed an ARM chip? Well... I think it's on Amazon, actually. A, a, yes,
0: it is. And I've got that
1: actually in my next... in one
0: of my other topics. Amaz, Amazon Professionals. is... Professionals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get the bell, John.
1: Oh, I can't reach oh, it. damn it. <laughs> it's too far away.
0: Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, no. That's what, that's what the kids say nowadays, John.
1: Even your verbal tics.
0: Literally. Literally. Yeah, no. <laughs> How's that mustard? <laughs> I don't... It's, it, Seemed a bit scoffy at the a, end. You're not supposed to drink the mustard.
1: Here. I drank the mustard.
0: Ugh, what is this? But no, that's one thing uh, I think we learned from... So AWS... Wild Style. Yeah.
1: Wild Style. That's uh, that's stallions. That, Actually, that's
0: a, that's a... collab. Wait, this is two collab beers we've had. That's,
1: that's a... That's um uh, Who was the Wild Stallions? I don't know. Bill and Ted. Weren't they Wild Stallions? I
0: don't know. Uh, the, the school?
1: No, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Went through the wild? The, I don't know.
0: I don't know. What, I don't know what they were.
1: That's what this was a reference to. I think
0: it's a, the Wild Stallion is a 2009 coming of age drama.
1: <laughs> well, what was Bill and Ted's? I, um, don't, know. I don't know. Someone can no, tell you, me.
0: You are the, the culture expert here, not me. I'm
1: not a culture expert.
0: Well, you're more of, probably know more about movies than I do. All right, so back to AWS. So when was reinvent? A week ago, two weeks ago? Uh, AWS reinvent their big annual yeah. conference. But that, yeah, was, I think one of the announcements there was they're moving, I don't know if it's fair to say they're moving away from Intel, but there's definitely there's a shift happening. And they're, they're going to ARM. But there's been all these rumors about Apple going to ARM. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which I find interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, it is, and I wonder, and I, the thing I always worry about is like, damn it, I'm not going to be able to run Windows. On my virtual machine, if if my Mac, my next Mac is ARM based. I mean, the, what what made that whole thing work was uh, was when Macs went to Intel from PowerPC. Then yeah, but, oh, then we could do all this virtualization stuff.
1: But don't you recall and boot camp, which probably, I never used? Probably a year ago. Or was that so what happened, boot camp. A year ago, so the reports that Apple was researching a way to run Mac OS on ARM chips.
0: I, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they're, uh, well, I'm not sure they're working on that. I know, know they're working on ARM. No, I, but, no I mean, that, that was a report. I know that. I know that. But also, I mean, that. and with this news, maybe Microsoft's working on getting Windows to run on ARM. Maybe. maybe. I wonder if they've all gotten together. It's like a, it's an anti-Intel conspiracy. You've got Microsoft, Apple, and Amazon who've all gotten together privately and said, hey, let's, let's push ARM let's all go to arm. If we all put our money behind it, we can totally kill and we can end this Intel hegemony that we've all been living under.
1: Because Intel's trying to gouge them right now. <laughs> I mean, Intel's always gouged, right? I mean, they've, you know. Well, they got displaced, right, by some Taiwanese chipmaker, TMC? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or, no, TSMC. Something like that. Or about, or Taiwan Semiconductor, Semiconductor something. Yeah, yeah. something. In what space, though? For
1: for chip manufacturing, well, chips. I I don't know. I I think it's just in general. I think in terms of just market share of. of Well,
0: they're one of they're one of Apple's ARM uh, manufacturing partners, right? I believe. So I think they they make a lot of the ARM chips. So ARM is a like a standard or a consortium. It's not a company, right? Which is kind of confusing. I'm not a uh, not a chip. I'm a chip guy. Except potato chips. I love me some potato (laughs) chips, but. It's kind of where my chip knowledge ends. I mean, if you want to talk about sour cream and onion, barbecue, you know, jalapeno <laughs> and cheddar, I mean, I'm all about it, but...
1: I always thought the main difference was the instruction set that was on the hardware, on, on the chip itself. That's, that is? And I think it, well, that, it was ARM versus Intel because yeah. of Intel's...
0: Uh, well, and Intel is so saddled by x86, and it's, all oh, it's garbage. Right, yeah. Then yeah. do yeah, why do we, why do we need... The, you know what needs x86? I mean, is, is Windows. Windows has always needed x86.
1: It's always been a much... Uh, okay, I'm I'm speaking out of my ass here because I don't really know what I'm talking about. But my understanding is that it had a far more instruction set. So where ARM was a bit more... Um, it, it didn't have as many instructions. So if you wanted to do something like move memory around, you had to do, do far more instructions than you would, say, in x86 where it maybe be one instruction. Yeah. Um, But that also caused bloat and that also caused more power usage and all those kind of things. So I think in in the... In the world of trying to reduce power consumption in all of our tiny little devices that we all now depend on, um, having a smaller instruction set, a more efficient chip, a more power efficient chip is more attractive than it used to be.
0: So, I mean, ARM is... Is, is, this, is this like a risk versus... What's the other one? CISC, I guess? You, you know this, right? Um, what does it stand for? Reduced instruction set versus complex instruction set? There was this yeah. battle that happened. Was this in, like, in the 80s or 90s? I think so, something? yeah. Let's see, so I know ARM is risk, and I feel like in, uh, x86 is, let's see, is it risk also? Or, uh, uh, X, okay. This is according to uh, Wiki. The, the, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the source of all human knowledge here. The x86 architecture is a variable instruction link, primarily a CISC design, with emphasis on backwards compatibility. So that whole sentence right there tells you what's
1: wrong with Intel. Yeah. What's the same thing that's wrong with Windows? Um, uh, you mean just by just the, the amount of bloat and baggage that it comes with by because, association because they're they're so focused on backwards compatibility it's the associative property of CPU architecture design yeah because <laughs> <laughs> I mean Ar- Apple yeah, Apple and right. their OS they were willing to say yeah you, you'll have to run an emulator if you want to support that because we're moving forward right and that was the big difference yeah
0: let's see I'm trying to catch up on the on the uh, live channel here.
1: Oh, you mean like confirmation that Wild Stallions is a Bill and Ted's Oh, reference. is it? No, I didn't. I didn't yeah. see, I
0: did get that far. Oh, there we go.
1: Yeah. Oh, W-Y-L-D. Yeah,
0: so that, that, I guess this beer is... Oh, yeah, definitely. We should... How do I take a photo of this and get it in the... <laughs> With technology? <I laughs> you know, sound it's like such an old man. I have this, like, thing right here. How do I get this <laughs> yeah, thing on the internet? John's face and there. there we go. No. So now, I can... I'm gonna... What do you call it? Airdrop? If that works. That works about what I about have. Oh.
1: Sounds like that? it worked.
0: <laughs> what was that? What well, was airdrop.
1: Oh. I just okay. want them
0: to see this, uh, this beer we're drinking.
1: You're going to cut this out of the no, official show? No. This is, of,
0: this is the official show. We have a lot of dead air. I know. Anyway. Um, yeah. Th- this, this arm thing is fascinating.
1: Yeah, there's a question about what, why not use AMD, and I think AMD can be a player. Absolutely, they could. I mean, but if, if everyone's... Okay, so AMD, though, has been...
0: They've just played in the x86 space.
1: No, they've expanded to ARM as well. Have they? Yeah.
0: In what way? Who, who's
1: they using? They have ARM, ARM chips. chips. I Do don't they? know okay. who's using them, but I know they have them.
0: And the thing was, you know, so Apple has, over the years, they've acquired many um, chip engineers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're basically like one of the biggest chip innovators now. Well, they used to make their own chips. Well, they, who did? Apple. What chips did they make?
1: It was like a long time ago.
0: Because I can remember Mo- Motorola and then Power, and it was all PowerPC stuff. So I, I don't remember them making chips. I could have sworn they no, made you their may own be chips. right. I'm just saying I don't remember. I might be
1: wrong. I could be wrong. I thought but they I made they their bought, own
0: chips. But. They bought several of these, you know, chip companies. And so they, they've acquired all these people. And I, I think I think Apple is now like a leading in the in the you know, leading power in the in the CPU or just semiconductor industry in general.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the th- great thing about ARM, I guess, is that it's kind of royalty free uh, in a way. In like the what are the iPhone processors called? The a, like the A the A series, right? Aren't mm-hmm. those ARM-based? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So Well no,
1: yeah, the iPhones are ARM-based. So anyway, yes. I guess my I'm point sorry. is
0: like there's all these there's all these different parties that are that are investing in and, and interested and have an interest in Improving ARM, migrating to ARM, so that so we're not all caught by not only Intel but their x86 architecture, which is full of bloat. I mean, think of how much of the power and heat is spent on just garbage that nothing needs anymore.
1: Right. I mean So it, do you think this will this will force Intel to kind of pull a Microsoft and kind of become more more open? You know, try to try to play with other technologies, maybe come up with their own ARM.
0: I think they're working on it. You know. Also, did you see? Speaking of Microsoft, like the Microsoft show here, but their their market cap exceeded Apple's. So now Microsoft.
1: Microsoft. Oh.
0: And I yeah I mean there's there was you know so when that happened of course there's a there's a lot of
1: Mr. Gates has a fair share of Microsoft and a fair share of Apple. A lot of them do. So does Ballmer and a lot of these guys. That's true.
0: But no. So a lot of you know a lot when that happened like a lot of articles hit about how. How that's happened and the role that uh, what's his name N- Nadella has has played in all this. It really started under Balmer, though. I, I read a couple of these and and he Ballmer really started the shift of of Microsoft. He he's yeah he doesn't usually get credit for it anymore, but it's he represented it he, repre-
1: he represented so much of the old guard. He did. Even I had trouble accepting that. I was reading articles like that that said it started under him, and I was like, yeah, you're just playing lip service to him. It really started to change when Nadella came and. And I was ready for Microsoft to be done with Balmer. But uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he, did, maybe he did start that transition. And obviously, he had a big hand in picking his successor. So, I developers, think he made a good pick. developers, developers,
0: developers, 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 <laughs> developers, 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 developers.
1: We'll, well always, Balmer will always, that, that <laughs> second part, that second part hand. where his voice just cracks, that's, that's yeah. always the part where I laugh. I can't help it. It
0: is dramatically overpriced. It's too expensive. <laughs> oh, that, that's two in a row for Balmer on our show.
1: Yeah. He's a basketball team owner now, isn't he?
0: Yeah. So this is interesting. I mean, I really have, I've really had an epiphany on our show today, which is this whole ARM thing. This is a thing. Yeah, it's a this thing. This is happening. Yeah. And it just seeing that Microsoft now is submitting patches to Chromium so it runs on ARM, that, that's. Now what do what what kind of CPU architecture does the what are the little pads? The surface? Called? Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a good question. Is that Intel? It might be Intel, but maybe because they, that, want, maybe they want to get an ARM.
0: That really yeah, exactly. And if and if you know, I think once, once And I think
1: that was a lot of Apple's experimentation as well because the iOS was ARM based and it, it runs on ARM, but they wanted to try to get I'm sorry. Yeah, iOS. They wanted to try to get Mac OS to see if it could run on ARM. And I think that was at the time, that was my thinking that they were trying to merge the two OSs, uh, but maybe it's more uh, less about merging the two OSs and more about um, diversifying their who they get their chips from.
0: Yeah. Well, since we've talked about ARM, I mean, that was like I said, that was one of the things at reinvent too is their AWS is starting to move to a lot of. And now I, they were
1: making those specifically to handle AI operations, correct? Well, that's a whole other thing. So, do you want to talk about
0: AWS reinvent? Yeah, let's do it. I just pulled up one of the summary things, but so one of the thing one of the big things that they're going to ARM and I believe that's for general compute. So like EC two instances, you'll be able to maybe you already can. I'm trying to think of when the last time I actually just manually went and created an EC two instance, but um you might be able to even pick now. Um I think you can. I think Is there a cost difference or just a Yeah, they're
1: cheaper. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or would have thought.
0: Um But no, you mentioned I thought I had some notes on this. On the AI stuff? Yeah. They, so they have their, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, I guess Amazon had, had bought this um, uh, Annapurna, Anna, Anna I guess is the name of the company. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But they're a chip maker and they made chips that were specifically for machine learning tasks. Uh-huh. So Amazon has bought them. And of course, at AWS, they, they announced so much like machine learning stuff that I can't even, I can't even, I couldn't even recite it all, more or less understand it. But, um, tons of BS stuff, especially like in, in, in verticals. So they have now, and what's great about what Amazon's doing is they're, they're exposing these things as services to you. Uh-huh. And these, these a lot of these things that Amazon's, uh, and this is, that was, a, uh, I have to get back to this, but that was another one of the themes is, is how they're taking stuff that you could run on your own. It's like, you know, uh, you know Google TensorFlow or MongoDB or any number of things. You can run the. You could fire up an EC2 and and do your Kubernetes or run it or you know whatever you know your um, your Terraform or whatever you want to do. Run these things on your own,
1: uh-huh.
0: but they're actually a, a, Amazon is providing these things. A lot of these things, you know, just think of RDS. Just your you know you can run Oracle or or SQL Server or Postgres, uh-huh. um, and it's a managed service, so you don't actually have to run it. Right, AWS will run it for you, and it's. And it they do so much for you i mean the the um the way you can roll back and their um just the way they manage the whole service it's like it, it, it almost makes no sense unless you're a giant company to to like run your own database service now right and they're doing that with all kinds of stuff but one of the things they're doing as as far as all these different services that there's tons of these like machine learning and ai type services that they'll just they'll run for you and you can just, like, kind of just like submit your jobs to them. But they're really going vertical now. And one of the ones that just, so I guess they have this one kind of series or a family, I guess, of um, services called Comprehend. They're, they're I think they're kind of machine learning type things. But the new, like one of the new ones was Comprehend Medical. Uh-huh. And you can just feed it all kinds of unstructured data. I think like text and images or whatever. And it just like, um, you know, it's pulling out. It gives you all the structured information about the medical stuff back. Okay. But yeah, so that plus... You know these these machine learning chips, which they're I think they're using to run these these ML loads on. Um, a lot of SageMaker enhancements. That's one existing product they've had. I mean, just tons of tons of machine learning stuff. So they're they're clearly one of the. I mean, you know, AWS. Not only are they by far the runaway leader in cloud computing, but they're not resting. I mean, they're just like, yeah.
1: they are sprinting forward so fast. Well, there's a lot of comparisons being made in terms of who's the fastest growth in tech, uh, what's Salesforce championing the, the fastest of $10 billion, but but um, well, Amazon Sol-
0: Salesforce is. Salesforce is SaaS. I mean, Salesforce is, a web, is web apps, right? I, I kind of have that so, in my so notes. So I have you my you note can't that really not, compare Salesforce to AWS. Exactly. That, but Salesforce comparisons, AWS. comparisons are being made, but. it's it, it, people that don't know what they're talking about.
1: Well, they're comparing in tech who is the fastest to grow to that amount of money or who's who's got the fastest growth, which I don't know why. That just seems like a odd yeah, metric. You, you've been reading the wrong things, John.
0: Any monkey with, with a set of lipstick on their pig lips can write it for four.
1: <laughs> but I read something that said in, in the same time frame that, that Salesforce will reach probably the $20 mark. mark, AWS, not Amazon, AWS, could reach seventy billion. Yeah, yeah. There,
0: and the the thing about AWS that just is so it's 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 validating, and it also is. Um, it's like it's like profitable. A, it's like the way a, a turbocharger <laughs> works in an engine, or is it a is it a, a turbocharger supercharger that it's like rerouting the exhaust right back into the intake and just like supercharging the engine. There, it's pro. Yes, it's profitable. Yeah. Like, significantly profitable like very profitable so even so, at this breakneck growth speed it's still profitable yeah and even with all their price drops i mean they're like the price cutting leader they're like the walmart except they're what do you what do you get when you combine like the most badass luxury m- amazing technology in the world with like the price
1: cutting ruthlessness of a walmart and you smash those into one like that's yeah. it's aws well it's, it's it's kind of scary in a way too i mean you're it, it it makes sense it makes too much sense to to host things on amazon to build things on amazon to do these things on amazon to the point where what are your other options
0: is that not scary you do have options no i mean and, and you do and I, that's why i'm i mean i'm i'm glad to see but the
1: more you rely on 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 the things that they the services they provide the more you rely it's not just here's here's a here's a place where you can stick your container and run it have at it it's now you're depend- Now you're creating hooks into their system yeah, that you no, become and, dependent on. Well, that's
0: what that's what the all stickiness. these. Ser- that's what all these exactly. <laughs> that's what all these services are about that Amazon's providing. All right. I mean, it, it's, it'd be one thing if they're just providing just dumb EC2 instances to you and you're running everything yourself, but no, they're providing. I mean, it's got to be it's got to be in the hundreds now of different services, hundreds of services that you can just use their services, and it's so easy. And John, for ninety nine percent of organizations the smartest thing to do is just use their services. You do not want to rebuild and manage all these things yourself. No, I guess... Even if it means being locked into AWS. That's fine. (laughs) If I'm an investor and I'm helping with business strategy, get locked into AWS. I'm fine with being locked into (laughs) AWS because... For the next ten years, it's not even going to matter. Like yeah. that's by far the best strategy.
1: I guess. I guess all I want to see is I want to see Google step up and and start competing with AWS so that options. Well, They options. are. I mean, they are. I mean, well, I know, I know they, they are, but they I know just AWS haven't been takes able...
0: up all the oxygen in they the room. They do. They do. But I, I but I really think that Azure has actually, and I don't know who's in second place. I haven't looked at the the, the that's Gar- true. I haven't looked we, we at my subscription well. recently, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I feel like just because of Microsoft who they are and they've got their own set of technology that's uh, and just how big they are and and, and also that's. The the thing that Microsoft has on Google is that is is the um, the enterprise relationships. Google has always been. I mean, that's one thing they are cur- criticized for is just very consumer focused or c- consumer and, and also just not they, not so much consumer focused. but like, they, does do, does any human? How do you contact a human at Google? Yeah, yeah. That, that that that's been their problem. And I know they've worked on that some, but I mean, still, I mean, Microsoft has had these relationships. With, they've got relationships with every significant company in the world. Yeah, They have salespeople assigned to them, support teams assigned to them. They've got their credit card numbers. They've got blanket POs. They've got everything. They've been doing it for decades. So they've got that. And also their technology is pretty good. God, I'd, I'd hate to... Could you imagine what Microsoft's financial system looks like? It's probably multiple financial systems, I'm sure. I don't think you'd have one that's, that could handle that I size. I mean, they're just giant... But No, I mean and so I think Azure's got a, a really good chance of being a solid and solid second place. Right now there's like no one in solid second place. It's it's, it's AWS and then just That's true. a bunch if, of far
1: If anything forward. is on the tip of my tongue it's surprisingly it's Azure. For for me it's Azure because it's so accessible to me. For some reason Amazon or AWS has not It's accessible to me. I just haven't focused on it enough, but I I for I some yet. reason have focused a little bit more attention uh, uh, percentage-wise, I'm, I'm doing a little finger yeah. pinching here, like minuscule I'm amount. I'm crushing your head. If, if I had 1% to give of my time, it went to Azure versus AWS. That, that's the only point I'm trying to make. And yeah. So Azure is kind of tip of my tongue.
0: Well, so can I use that to segue into something, which is, I created an Azure account this week. Nice. Yeah. Um, and it was because I had a client that was trying to implement some kind of SSO. Yeah. Uh, and they were using I guess they have Azure Active Directory. Yep. Um, and so, and they were having a problem and they they couldn't figure out how to do something. So I thought, well, this is in the cloud. Like, why don't I just set up an, my own Azure account and
1: an Active Directory and do it? Took well, me you're about, lucky because they moved my cheese on that one. They changed their UI for, SS, for Active Directory and SSO setup. I noticed that. And they, they have, yeah. um, but the new one's in
0: beta or something. You can still see the old one. You
1: can still see the old one, but it. I, I like it. I like the new UI, but it kind of threw me for a bit because I went to help a customer and I I went to show them my setup because I actually have my developer account hooked up to Azure for SSO just as a, I need to know how to do this, so I'm going to do it type thing. And so I I use it as a demo account and uh, yeah, they moved my cheese on that one.
0: And, And, uh, Boy, this is not to give any credit to AWS in this area, but I do not like the Azure, the UI, the, the yeah, console. It's, it's just weird. Like, there just, are times where I click just, it's on something. It's, it's and honestly, it's, it's like this it rem, reminded me why I don't run Windows. One reason every, why I don't run Windows. Everything's like this
1: panel tile over. Like, it's like this wizard where it tiles over. And all And fonts, if you don't save, uh, if you don't save on that last screen and you click to another I thing, know, you, you uh, think you saved, but you didn't. so confusing. It's really confusing. And,
0: and what is this font they use? And why is it about... Thirty percent smaller than what it should be. Oh. It's just everything. It's just it, it. It's it's very Microsoft Win you know Windows Ten looking, and that's. But I should say, within about an hour, I've got like my Active Directory running, and I've got it. I've got Saml SSO working into Salesforce. Yeah, and I figured out how to do what I needed to do to help this client out, and I'm just like, wow, that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, I should learn more about. Azure. Just if nothing else, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious on how, like the stuff I've done on AWS, like. How easy would it be to do that on Azure? And what's the price difference? I mean, yeah. Th- and th- of course, the how, the what's the price difference? That's, that's a question. That's not going to your doctor and your doctor's saying, yeah, you're going to need the surgery. And you're saying, oh, okay, well, cool. Um, how, how much is that going to cost me? Of course, people, only people in the United States will understand this. You will never get your medical professional to tell you how much something will cost. hmm uh-huh. We, we have we, it, it's so screwed up it is you can't know how much anything costs you just have to wait until the bills roll in so you can't make decisions you,
1: you, you, we make nothing but uninformed decisions about everything and then you'll find that they coded your procedure differently <laughs> my wife had a well a procedure I won't Here say what go. it was but she had a procedure and It a down, down rat hole sound. they prepared. coded it at, as surgery which is not what it was supposed to be it was supposed to be preventative maintenance and exam and they coded it as, as surgery yeah. and now they're trying to charge her for it it's just all these little games that they play. It's it's frustrating.
0: So the problem with this cloud stuff is like it's just understanding why you're. And I like I have a a, a personal AWS account that I use just for like uh, testing stuff out and development and stuff. And I get a bill. It's like you know somewhere between like thirty and sixty bucks a month. And I look at it. I'm like, I have no idea why this bill is what it is. I'm just going to pay it. I'm sure it's right. I mean, I just. Oh. But I don't have any way. I mean, what if? But what if I was a big company and that bill was that was a three hundred to six hundred thousand dollar month bill, or a three million to six million dollar month bill, right? How do you? How do you audit that? How do you understand? I mean, it's, it's I don't even know how you know. In fact, there are tons of companies like these startups and d- different things that help you not only understand your AWS bill, but they'll, like, they just, they have these computer programs that suck everything in mm-hmm. and tell you how to, what to change to make your, cut your bill in half. Wow. Yeah. So there's a whole, yeah, there's a whole cottage industry around that. But I wanted to jump to something else. I guess that was, I guess that's what it was. Um, my, my Azure experience, which was quite
1: nice. We well, have UI. Docker and Microsoft on here. That seems like a good segue. Okay. Oh, I do? Yeah. Microsoft Docker team up to packaging and running cloud-native applications.
0: And you know, that's that is also something interesting about AWS reInvent. Because previous years, of course, you know, the, the biggest topic in cloud is, is just containers. Because
1: mm-hmm. it's such a paradigm shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a container. It is what it is. <laughs> Sorry, I, I use just that, kinda, I use that term ironically. You kind of stick that Lego block in there, and it runs, right?
0: But that's one thing that they, as far as I can tell, didn't really talk about. There was very little talk about containers.
1: Well, I think because their focus is on their ability to provide these hookable services. Yes, you know what their focus is? It's on Lambda. Yeah. So
0: every time they talked about Lambda, it's like they normally would have been talking about containers, and now Lambda, Lambda,
1: about... Lambda. Yes. <laughs> you nerd
0: I thought it was Delta Delta Delta
1: was it I thought it was Lambda no, I lambda. It was lambda okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> you knew that was coming didn't you no, that was right to the mic too oh, I did not know sorry that was coming that.
1: <laughs> that better make it on the outro <laughs> mark that so you can find oh, it
0: it's I, I, I so clipped though so sorry it's probably not going to make it <laughs> sure our neighbors appreciated that uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Took your funny mind, on it. Did uh, the, the other narrative, I, I think it's more of a narrative that came out of reInvent was how much, speaking of all these services that AWS is offering now, how much they're pissing off all their all these open source companies that are supposedly their partners um, because they're taking things like Mongo or Kafka or these different things and they're which are open source applications because you know the model has been a lot of these open source companies are actually, it's actually produced by a company, a company that was started to make this open source product. So it's open source and you use it for free, but they, but they also sell, they'll either sell a service and provide like legal indemnification, all that crap, but mm-hmm. they'll also, you know, they'll, they'll consult with you. And, but nowadays they'll, ru- they'll run it for you too.
1: Right.
0: Well, now AWS will run all these things for you. So AWS has created managed services for, for dozens of these open source projects and it's th-
1: th- putting them out of business. Yeah, that's what disruption, that's, that's what disruption does. <laughs> I guess. mean, how, how long before it makes more... So we, we, went, we went through a time frame where to get exactly what you wanted, and companies at one point invested a lot of money in hiring developers to custom build, home grow applications. Because it made more sense than trying to adapt some application that had no context of their business. And then we get to cloud where you can do a lot more customizations like in Salesforce. How long before that shifts along before it, it's easy enough to custom build and hook up all these services and build something that's tailored, custom tailored without the need to hire or buy a Salesforce. I see these things go, th- go back think, and forth, like it's a I pendulum. Know. I
0: mean so again, Salesforce is an application. It's a set of appla- it's a suite of applications. Right, but right? it's
1: big thing is that it's cheaper it's cheaper to, it's cheaper to buy term. Salesforce. We customize it, we host it for you, we build it. you don't have to worry about security, all this kind of stuff. but how long before a company like AWS with all their services and things where you just kit it together, yeah, so to speak, I, I don't becomes more viable?
0: I, I hear what you're saying, but I think, I think that idea underestimates. How much value add Salesforce brings to the table? Sure. How much software they built that you you would have to build? I agree. It's just a thought exercise. I know. I I, I hear you, yeah. and I've thought about that too. Chris course, how many like you know, n- just of us engineer software development types that that, that started coding on our crummy borrowed, 286s. stolen whatever computer? Yeah, exactly. You know, doesn't <laughs> doesn't think about oh, I could build Salesforce. I could I could rebuild Salesforce. But then you're like, oh, wait a minute. No, they actually have built a lot of freaking software. And just to get just table stakes would well, take. Would what happens
1: take to me is I start to build millions a millions of I start to build hours. an application. I go, oh, crap. I need security. How do I freaking do this again? Yeah. yeah well,
0: you know, Auth0 or one of those is what I go This is kind of what I go to. Well, nowadays.
1: Yeah. You start doing that. You start kind of kitting together all these different libraries and, and things like that to build it. It's. Oh, you and your kidding. John loves to kit. No, that's what we. That's, Are you kidding that's me? That's the John? proper term. Are you
0: kidding me? <laughs> it's
1: the proper term. I actually, uh, you know, I'm so weird about that stuff. I, at some point, with, with a true. white box manufacturer of computers, yeah. I was like, we don't manufacture anything. I got really, I got really technical with the, the terminology. I'm like, we just freaking kit it together. Hey, what happened to our, our live channel?
0: Am I cut off or did I just everyone fall asleep? Are we that, <laughs> we're that boring? Everyone fell asleep.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. We're not talking about enough Salesforce.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. Too much, too much of this AWS. That's heretical.
1: Got to get back to Salesforce. <laughs> well, so, uh, so about, I, I can talk about a client experience. Okay. Um, and yeah. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Were we done talking
0: about Microsoft and Docker?
1: Yeah, there's nothing to say there except Docker, the lightweight container.
0: I was going to say that. Yeah. My, I can tell you, I, I heard a, um, I don't remember what podcast I was listening. To. I think it was a podcast because I feel like it was voice, but it was Microsoft talking to someone. I don't know if it was like Pivotal or or AWS about um, all the things that Microsoft's doing to make Windows be able to run in a container. And it's all new, different type of container. So it's all the same concepts, but instead, of course, like Linux, you know, it's uh, what do they got? like jail or jail roots and C names and all these different mechanisms that Linux has created over the years. You know, like a Docker container is basically just like taking all these different technologies and kind of wrapping them in a Standardized format, right? And you can to achieve the 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 ideas of a container, and so Microsoft wants to do the same thing is achieve the ideas of a container. Of course, the way they do it, like all the concepts are different. I mean, they're similar, maybe similar concepts, but the actual implementation of them is like way different ways because Windows the underpinnings are so different than Linux. Uh But they're definitely working on it. Um, It's uh, you know you'll never get a you'll never get a a Windows container that's as lightweight i would say right as a docker container cuz windows is just always going to be docker lightweight uh, container i mean docker uh, windows you know it's always going to be more bloated than, than linux i mean look at because like, you know the, probably the most famous, famous or most i guess popular uh, linux container base is this alpine linux which is a kind of like a bare bones linux distribution yeah and you know i'm sure windows is easily 10 times bigger than that but they're still very serious about containerizing windows so that's a big thing. So that's interesting to see. I wonder how action.
1: much of that is IoT driven, because that seems to be a, a popular architecture for IoT. Is that you would essentially just kind of shoehorn your stuff into the hardware I, as a container?
0: I'm sure. I'm. I, I'm sure that's one mm-hmm. of the significant applications of it. But I mean the the multitude of
1: applications for containerized Windows yeah. is, is huge. Yeah. I mean containers in general. I mean just exactly popping it into a data center, popping it onto some hardware device on somewhere. It's yeah makes it much more portable for yeah. sure. Okay. I feel like I'm falling behind on that stuff.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know. I still haven't got wrapped my head around Kubernetes completely. Like, I'm mm-hmm. still, I mean, I'm kind of a dangerous when it comes to Docker Compose. And
1: it's the, the I am doc, not dangerous. Docker's... I, I know enough to make mistakes and never get it off the ground. Yeah. That's where I'm at
0: that's, right now. I don't know. I might be a step beyond that, but like, you know, I, I don't know. Just a lot of the, I mean, I don't, I don't do, I, I am not a, I've never worked on projects that were that were like web scale type things. I've never dealt with web scale problems.
1: But from a from a consultant perspective, from a being an architect perspective, these are things that we kind of need to have our thumbs on. These are things that we might have a client who's doing this kind of Wrong stuff. Wrong metaphor,
0: it, but I know what you mean. Thumb? Yeah, you need to check. And be you have, have your finger on the pulse of. No, having your thumb on something is keeping it down.
1: Oh, you're right. Wrong metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you mean though, John You know what I meant I said what I meant yeah. or I, I said No, what, you didn't I, I meant what I thought you, Exactly, you <laughs> meant what you
0: thought <laughs>
1: uh, Yeah. But yeah, I mean I, 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 always, I always think about my role as an architect as just kind of having a somewhat of an understanding of things that are going on I may not understand all the details I may not be able to I'm not going to be an expert I'm not going to know everything about it but I feel like at least having that breadth of knowledge, at least understanding what those technologies are, what they're trying to achieve, what problems they're trying to solve, um, makes me much more valuable as an architect because I can at least understand it. I can understand what the client's trying to do with it, um, if they bring it up. Um, I feel it also adds to my credibility. If I can say, yeah, I know what you're talking about, <laughs> yeah. then just deer in the headlights, what are you talking about? I only know Salesforce. You know, I, I, That's not who I want to be as a professional that makes sense
0: yeah you don't want to be owned by daddy Benioff
1: no I just I just think as, as a consultant the best way I can serve my clients is, is understanding technology
0: I know. I'm just joshing you
1: oh okay well, I didn't get that
0: but you don't want to be owned by daddy Benioff oh yeah I do <laughs> well that's <laughs> di- I didn't mean it that way
1: <laughs> oh, he's rich what are you talking about <laughs>
0: this Is this incredible are you guys pumped up and ready to go no, you really pumped. Woo! <laughs> Just like, uh, okay, let's yeah. get back on the track, John. What's um, next?
1: I can talk about a recent client experience. Oh, let's uh, do that. Those it was kind of nice. It was always fun. It was kind of nice. It was it was really invigorating. Um, we were set up to do, and it was it was odd because I went into it dreading it. Uh, we did an on-site kind of discovery session, and we had a lot of ideas thrown at us. Um, we talked about a lot of things. That were centered around customization, possibly building out a lot of heavy things just for, I want to say productivity, but a lot of it really was kind of, they wanted some, some really nice visuals and they wanted all this kind of stuff. Um, it was almost like, I don't know how to describe it, grandstanding in some way. Okay. <laughs> kind of just show that, that we've really thought this out and we built this great big thing and they wanted to kind of showcase some things. Um, so we started kind of getting into more details in terms of ga- gathering requirements. And um, I got deeper into the. So we went from kind of high level, C level people to kind of more lower level people. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't. I don't. That sounds wrong when I say lower level I'll people. i us
0: say, say mid level.
1: But even that sounds wrong. Just We went from like the C-level, the high-level vision, to (laughs) to people who actually do the work. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Interstitial management. Maybe. (laughs) And we were talking about the process, and I knew that I had a lot of automation on my plate and everything. We started talking through the process, started talking about all the different activities that had to happen around that process. And um, as we're having that conversation, doing some back and forth, and I kept stressing, you know, we can automate that. It's technically possible. We can do these things, but as a consultant, I want to advise you know that your process hasn't been fully defined. You're still working on it. You're still changing things. It might not be the right time to automate. We might be prematurely automating. Those aren't my exact words, but those that's kind of the the thing I wanted to convey. And the client was fully on board. This this particular individual kind of restated and reiterated exactly what I said and really understood it and started thinking through the process a little bit differently. Um, to the point where we ended that conversation. There's still more conversations to be had, but we ended that conversation with basically knocking off a good 50% of automation off the list. Uh, simply because we're being more pragmatic about it, we understood that we want some manual intervention. If if we're going to do some kind of automation, it might be a notification to someone to say, this is done, you can start your thing now. But we weren't trying to kickstart the process, we weren't kind trying to auto-assign tasks and everything, although there is a component of that, but it's manually driven. Um, and that just, that just brought me the conversation of, you know, process over automation is handling that conversation, kind of directing the client towards who wants heavy automation, but you kind of understand that maybe they're not ready for that kind of thing, that maybe automation should be informed by someone asking for it versus assuming that we need automation at this point. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: that, that's a really interesting point. Um, so first of all, congratulations on having a, a a client that you know you can work with that, yeah. that to some degree gets it. They get it enough to be able to like keep learning and yeah. you know, um, because I, I I often get dropped into these situations with like a when I like with a new client, and it you, the first thing you have to do is figure out okay where are they? I can mm-hmm. just their their processes, their level of maturity, the type of people they have, because you have to figure all that out so that you know what's possible because you right. can't run before you crawl right and if you don't even know how to use your you know if you're do, basically if you're just doing everything wrong like they're they're the way they're using their bug tracking system is completely wrong and the way they're deploying things is completely wrong and the way they're doing version controls is completely wrong the way they their product owners doing everything is completely wrong you know you have to start somewhere and you can't just be like oh we're going to automate all this with kubernetes and you know that's no stop stop Stop. You're not going to, like, that's probably 12 months down the road. Right now, what we're going to do is we're going to figure out how to communicate to each other better. And usually that's where it starts, at least with me. Um, we're going to figure out how to, like, talk to each other, and then we're going to figure out how to communicate up better. We're going to have to figure out how to communicate to the product owner better. And the product owner is going to figure out how to communicate with us better mm-hmm. and learn how to work with us better to get what they want out of the,
1: out of the product or the program or whatever it is. Right. Well, you're talking about kind of the development cycle, right? The kind of—I mean, just—but but this, I, was, I this is more business process right. driven. Yeah, it, it's the same story. It it's is. It, it's the same thing. We, we're kind of dealing with the same types of things. as you know, w- at what point do you decide we're ready for automation? Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because I'm, I'm
0: I'm in this role now where I'm having to do a lot of HR type stuff, mm-hmm. hiring and stuff, and um, I've, I I don't know if it's an age thing or just whatever, but I feel like the older I get, the more the more emphasis I play when I'm looking to hire people, the more emphasis I place on communication skills. Yeah. And even for like, you know, developers, I mean, it's, it's far more important to me that you communicate well than if you know the best way to, uh, the best sorting algorithm. Like you can figure that out, but it's, it's easy to teach someone like, Oh, don't do that sorting, do this or whatever. Like, you know, but it's hard, it's hard to teach, people. there's things that are easy to teach people and there's things that are very hard to teach people. Right. I'd rather people come in with the skills that are hard to teach, the things that are so fundamental to like either personality or just like talent. I don't want to have to teach those because I don't have time. I can teach you the other things; they're easy. Like if you're, you know, if you, if you've got, you know, got great engineering skills, but you've only worked in .NET, you you know, and I need you to do Salesforce stuff. Like, hey, if you've got great engineering skills and you communicate well and you have like the right temperament, that's that's I'll take you. I'll take it. I mean, yeah. I, you, it's hard to be picky nowadays. Yeah. I, I'll take that over, over, because trust me, I get flooded with resumes from Salesforce developers who just it would cost me far more problems than what they would solve. I just don't have time for it because they don't have that foundational stuff and they're just like, they're lacking that raw what is it is it i know i keep saying communication but that's just god that's so important i I'm, I'm probably being reductive the soft skills i think I, it's is what that's a lot of soft skills and i feel like that's yeah. i mean we hear that term and that I feel like that's a hand-wavy term it's like oh soft skills you know but there's there's so much to unpack there
1: that i don't i mean like. it's it's kind of a buzzword but I, for people that i feel understand what that means i i i can connect with the word if that makes sense
0: yeah because i mean i've i'm i mean there's people that for example like that are really smart and have like Some amazing technical skills, but they have to be told every little thing with a dude because they can't, they can't figure out, they can't think at a higher level and know how they fit into a program. And so they're not, they're not self-starters. They have to be constantly managed, which, and if you're set up for that, great. If you have the right manager for them, I mean, you can, you know, that person will produce gold for you. Mm -hmm. But if you're not set up for that, or if that's not your situation, you know, that they're just not a good culture fit or team fit at that time. That's like, it goes, this goes back to, you know, just what I've talked about for years on the show, just and and personally with people that I talked to about this stuff. Like, there's just so much more to it. I mean, hiring is so hard and so much. It's at, and it's that, it's the people where idea. Like, this, some of these, there's different types of people that, like, you don't realize it's, it's not necessarily some hard skill or something that's even, speaking of communications, even, even easy to understand or communicate to someone. But that person that, like, makes a team gel or that person right. that, like, you didn't realize was just, like, was that person that didn't have to be told what was dude, Like, maybe they, maybe their code wasn't the greatest, but they always knew what to do next. They always understood what was important for the project or what the product owner was trying to get across. But oh. your smartest engineer never was communicating well with the product owner. It's just, it's, I don't know. People are, people are difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it's the hardest part of business, <laughs> right? It's, it's getting this people thing right. And it never ends. It's a constant, you've got to be, especially now with everything, is unemployment's low and like, it's just, it's, you know, it's not an it's not an employer's market right now, right? You know, it's no, and so you're having to compete for people, and that even makes it harder. Yeah, I mean, you always have to compete for people, but it's it's I think the the it's not in favor of employers. Well, right. you
1: always have to compete for the, the 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 people that you're talking about for sure. Do people real time question? Do
0: people really get asked sorting algorithms and in interviews? Um, I, I don't do that because I don't feel like gotcha or coding interviews are helpful um, because even the smartest people will tend to freeze up and be dummies in interviews. I'd much rather give them a take up. If I don't know how good their work is, I'd rather give them I'd rather even show me something they did or give them some something to go do and see how they do it on their own time, but um but I think they do. I hear this all
1: the time. I uh, I don't know what your experience is, but well, you've been mostly self-employed for all your life. Right. <laughs> um I've been on interviews where um I got taken to a room, sat in front of a computer, and there was a list of exercises for me to complete that I had to complete. And I had to code. I had to physically code algorithms and complete these exercises. So I've, 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 I've done those things. And
0: the, the thing that scares me about those as an, as an, from an employer's perspective <clears throat> is I'll get so many false negatives. Uh, again, you're going to take people who generally are actually very good or just, again, have some of these soft skills that result in business value. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to eliminate them. Because I don't do well on these things.
1: Yeah, I I did not do well on those things. Uh, I did not do well on that one. Um, (laughs) And a lot of it was because it was text editor-based. I I got a box with a text editor, and I could write some code in it. And at the time, I was big into Visual Studio and IntelliSense and all that kind of stuff, and I don't have every command memorized. I hit dot, and I go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was there's that command I need.
0: Well, I think a good interviewer, like, I don't care if, like, like if you if you called it um, dot length instead of dot size, I don't, I don't care about that. Yeah, I, but I, I care I about the, the the algorithm or the, or the solution you came up with for something. Yeah. I mean, as long as I can read the code and I can tell you what you meant, I, I don't care whether it compiles or not or whether you got every, you spelled every method name correctly. Yes. Yeah. But, again, people will cut, people will eliminate you
1: because of that stuff. And it's like, yeah. Because this, like, this was this was a coding exercise, and I was being hired to, to develop um, C sharp code, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was, yeah, was, was going to be the job.
0: I did. Um, I did interview for. I got contacted through Stack Overflow. Um, actually, um, shit, what's the guy's name? He's now the CEO of uh, one of the Stack Overflow spinoffs, Trello, or one of these other ones. Uh, Michael Pryor, I think. Is, I probably shouldn't be saying this. He contacted me directly. And uh, said, hey, we've got a client that we, okay, so Cyclops, you know what they're in the business of, right? Hiring, or hiring <laughs> like developers. selling ads, right? Yeah. That's their business is selling ads. And so Michael But they have this whole kind of job career board, I said, right? Yeah, that's how they make money, yeah. right? I mean, so Michael Pryor contacts me and says, hey, we've got a, cl- a big client who ha- we're having a hard time helping them with. And we, you know, we just like, we, you came up at the top of our search. That's when I used to. Like, I owned the Salesforce tags in Stack Overflow. You know, remember those days? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to compete with yeah. you.
1: I, I didn't I didn't win, but I tried.
0: But they, so they had, you know, they're like, hey, we really want you to, will you just talk to this company? I was like, okay, sure. So I, I talked to them and I set up an, an actual interview with this, one of these companies. I won't say who it was, but you've heard of them. Uh, set up like an actual interview with their, I guess their CTO or something like that. And we did a, um, I, remember, I wish I could remember what this program was, but it was like it was like a live, like both people could code and you could, you could see real, t- it wasn't a screen sharing. But it was more like, like sub-Ether edit or one of these, um, what was the, um, I don't remember, I don't know. But it was like, basically, we both had a text editor. Mm-hmm. And in each, it's more, it was more like, almost like Google Docs. It's like the Google Doc type thing where like, we're not seeing each other's screens, but if we're both editing the same document, we see our changes in real time. Okay. But it was for coding. And, uh and he's like, hey, whatever language you want, just like, how would you solve this? And I was like, like, what do I pick? I'm like, and I said, I was like, what do you guys run? He's like, well, I mean, we've got like, uh can't remember what it was now. I was like, I'll just do it in JavaScript, you know, because I think I've been doing a bunch of web stuff. So I'm like, I'll do it in JavaScript. And so I, uh, yeah, I just coded you know, code, coded my answer JavaScript, and it was like it was like ten minutes probably. I mean, we were on there when, we, and I was talking through it. And I, I'd get to some part, of my like, I, I was like, oh, "Tell me more about this. How you wanted this solved, or like the problem, or whatever." And like, and so he kind of helped me through a couple things, but I just, you know, coded through the JavaScript, and I, I think I did okay because they wanted they wanted me to do a second interview, and they wanted me to come out to their they wanted me to to work in in their offices in Carrollton. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna not gonna drive to Carrollton every day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> And that's kind of where it stopped because they were like, well, could you come out like four days a week? I'm like, no. No. Not even four days a week. <laughs> not gonna do it. <laughs> so that's kind of where it ended. But I think I think I did okay on it. Um, but again, always, I, I but I've but I've seen people who I know are pretty darn good crash and burn on those because it's just not it's not normal. It's like yeah. most most people who are good developers, like you put them on a stage or something or in front of people, like that's not how we work. That's just yeah, it's it's so it's so different than how we normally work. Now, like a musician is, is used to performing, right? That's their, that's their thing. Um, but the developers, I mean, we don't, we don't perform we don't in audition. front of people. Yeah, we don't it's, audition it's, it's, that exactly. way. Yeah. I mean, and, and most, most often we're not used to performing in that way. So right. when you put us in that situation, it's just, it's, you're just not used to it. I mean, the only way to get good at as a musician, I can tell you this, as a musician, the only way to get good at performing is just to do it over and over and over, like as much as you can. Right. And then you, over time, get good at it. It's just like speaking. Same thing. Yeah. But developers, we don't often just code in f- in front of a judgmental crowd all the time. It's like hardly ever happens.
1: Yeah. Well, especially since we don't really understand. Well, it, typically, it, it, I mean, I guess if you've done something a hundred times, you kind of know how it's going to flush out, what you're going to build, what classes you need. But a lot of times it's kind of a, this iterative process where you just kind of start somewhere, you write something, and then you go back and edit it. And it's just kind of this fluid process of kind of going back in and just iterating over it. Um, even even my coding style, which is, I'll start with something big. I have a lot of comments on different things that I think are blocks. Yeah. And then as I kind of refine mm-hmm. it, I'll start moving those out into different functions or classes yeah, or whatever just refactor. I refactor. Yeah. 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 It's it just that. just that process yeah. of refactoring. But right. well, that's actually kind of very
0: along the TDD lines because supposedly with TD, TDD, it's like you know first thing you do is you write a failing test, you run it and see that it's red because I guess you didn't believe that it was going to fail. <laughs> <laughs> Before you'd written any code. Um, well, but no, then, you're only testing for failure. But then you o- but, but then you're you're not- write just enough. Like something stupid. Like you just return some fake response that makes the test pass. But then you go through and you iteratively refactor that to make it more and more real. Right. Which, again, that's part of why I think TDD is a little bit nutsy. A little bit nutsy for me. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I look at it more of as writing a, an essay or a paper where I just kind of... St- I throw my thoughts down and maybe just this comes to my writing style in general where I just kind of throw my thoughts down and then I start to refine it into something that's a little more cohesive and that's that's the way I approach yeah. my, my, oh. code. Yeah. my code my code by God.
0: the way <laughs> how do I not have that on the soundboard I don't know gosh alright well let's move along we've uh, definitely rabbit holed that one yeah well how did we get into that which one was that uh,
1: that was my conversation on a client that was What's pragmatic about process over automation. All
0: right. Next, uh, next all my stuff is on here. Oh,
1: I watched this uh, interview with the Keith block. Um, He actually, I actually read an article earlier in the week where he talked about how he wasn't fully sold on MuleSoft. And he kind of painted the story. And I think this is a made-up story. I
0: do too. I can tell you right now because it's like <laughs> one of the things, well, I wasn't sold either. But then once I learned the real facts, I was totally sold. Yeah. And you should be too. That's
1: what I felt. It's like I had this big client and they had all these integration needs. And I thought, oh, integration is a strategic need. So I need MuleSoft. I'm like, everyone, it has always been the thing with Salesforce is right. integration. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought that was a bit disingenuous. But uh, then he had this interview more recently, I think. Or it might have been pulled from the same interview. I don't know. But he talks about a little bit more about different subjects. They kind of grilled them on. Um, so what I gathered from this is that I think we've weathered the storm of fourth industrial revolution. I, th- I think and we're what, done
0: with it. You mean it's of, of them talking
1: about it? Yes, okay. I think we're done with it. I okay. think we're past it, okay? Did,
0: I, I, did, it, not, did, it, did it suffer the same fate as Edge? It just could, didn't catch enough traction? Yeah, I think
1: okay. so. Uh, so now we're on to digital transformation. Oh, that's, and
0: that, that's, that one's not going anywhere. That one's been around. That's very persistent.
1: Well, now that MuleSoft is a thing and, and that's what's gonna enable them to get their customer three sixty view, uh, basically gaining access to all these legacy systems that, that is really the problem, child. It's not all these it's not connecting an application that's already on the cloud to Salesforce. That's never been an issue or that's not an issue today. It's these legacy systems, these these Oracle databases, these SQL databases, these these data warehouses that have a ton of data, but it's behind a firewall and MuleSoft is going to enable that and kind of bring it to the forefront and uh, and release the, the dogs or whatever, release the hounds.
0: It's, it's great for Java developers because to do significant things on MuleSoft, it, you have to be a fairly advanced Java engineer to do it, to do it well.
1: No, you just need, what, what is their language? The, ramble. Ramble. ramble you just dog. need a little ramel, <laughs> little, little little ramble. <laughs> it'll it'll <laughs> generate all for you. Don't worry about that. Just point and click and ramble. Yeah. Point click ramble.
0: Well, considering that uh, that Milsoft is basically a copy or built on Camel, it's a little ramble for your Camel. <laughs> I think they'll, now, That's they'll not support. a title. I don't know what it is. They'll
1: support Camel. I think. I think soon they're ah, going to support it.
0: It's Camel's open source, and I I guarantee you, there's a lot of Camel code under the hood in uh, in Milsoft.
1: Well, I I think I heard them explicitly say they're going to support it. So you, you'll be able to write. You, you'll have your preference. Yeah. Um. But either way, yeah. I. Digital transformation was was a thing, and then the other thing that I noticed no, that's,
0: that's a that's it's kind of a I mean when it comes to these executives it's kind of this it's a BS a little bit of a BS term but they'll talk about it. you know Salesforce, um the the big consulting shops talk you know it's everything's digital transformation I mean Pivotal even like a lot of digital transformation now Pivotal is that's actually, what I'm saying Pivotal it's, is it's, actually is one of the companies that's actually helping people do digital transformation and it's a, a real thing. There's a lot of companies that are just bullshitting or trying to sell, like, incredibly expensive consulting services or whatever.
1: Well, I think Mule is helping to enable digital transformation. I do too. I'll, I'll put them in that. Yeah. So, so uh, it's essentially what I gathered is, is, you know, digital transformation is the new buzzword. I don't think we're going to... No, 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 it's not. It's a very old buzzword. It is, but it's it's the thing they're talking about. It's now. still it's, it's, the thing it's, they're it's gonna, lasted. The other talks, ones have died when, and then digital transformation yes, is still there.
0: Yes. It's 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 you fall back to the uh, the oldies but goodies, right? Exactly. <laughs>
1: um so in, and you'll get a little little salting of customer three sixty in there with MuleSoft. Uh and then the next one that I think is probably the big thing that's gonna take over the buzzword of AI is 5G, which I'm I'm on the fence on. Yeah, because that's going to... Um, so 5G is uh, the
0: next, you know, cellular wireless, right? But it's, yeah. but it's even faster, but it's a uh, really sh- um, shorter distance, right? That it, it doesn't have the reach. I don't think it has the reach, but
1: as far but why as... Why is it
0: such a big deal? Why are all these CEOs and stuff talking about 5G so much? Uh,
1: because, the because the larger bandwidth that, you'll be, that you're supposedly going to be able to get from it, the 10 times 4G bandwidth yeah, you'll be able to get... Except
0: no one even gets 4G.
1: No one gets 4G. I mean, 4G was supposed to be like 300 megabits I know. or whatever. You know? I know. So that's why I'm on the fence of it. I'm skeptical of it. Now, if it were true, if we could take it at face value and say that 5G is going to give you, what is it, 100 gigabits or something? I think is what it is. Or 1,000 gigabits? Or No, that no, would be terrible. terabit. Yeah, that would be terrible. So be, it's gigabits. That's insane. <laughs> 100 gigabits or whatever. Your phone would explode in your face. <laughs> 4G is supposed to be 10 gigabits? 10? Are you
0: not, No, not 10 gigabits. 4G, I think, in the hundreds in the spectrum, of megabits.
1: The, no, it's, yeah, it's got to be. Someone correct us. On it's like this. 100 megabits, but I think, I think it's like, I don't know. So it's weird when you talk about these spectrums... Four,
0: four to 12 megabits are common peak for this is for right. 4G LTE is like 50 megabits is kind of like a high speed.
1: So yeah, that, and that's the thing you have, which to, is
0: about a tenth of what it, they said it was going to be. Yeah. By the way.
1: And that's why you have to kind of take these numbers with a grain of salt because it, it, there's a lot of dependencies, there's a lot of variables of how close you are to a tower, what, whether or not you're getting the peak performance out of it, whether or not your device is throttling, all those kind of things. There's, there's a ton of factors yeah, that factor sure. into whether or not you're going to get you know, that full amount. Um, also, these are, these are wireless bandroom spectrums. There's going to be a lot of interference either from walls or from other signals and things like that. So you're never going to get what they publish as the spec supports. What? <laughs>
0: Sorry, I just read the slide for a second. CEOs were hoping they, they were, they thought they were talking about G5s, that the CEOs thought they were going to get, you know, G5. <laughs> it's a G5. Is it's that a, a Gulfstream?
1: Oh, <laughs> that's, the, that's the big thing, is Jets, huh? <laughs> of course it is. It's the new limos. Like yeah. in the 80s, it was limo, and now in the 2000s, yeah. it's, it's uh, yeah. Jets.
0: Hadn't been in limos in a long time, John. I mean, every little 12 year old going to prom gets limos. Okay.
1: Let's see when I get a limo. <laughs> Whatever. This was right. one well, this weekend, just ride around right. and drink. All right. What else? What else do we have here? We're um. Well, anyways, the, about the whole now we're in. Uh, let me just time check. Make my point. So okay. So five G is. Just, I mean, the main the main factor around that is just bandwidth and access to being able to access these cloud providers, access the applications. And so, what is it? What application does this open? Is it? Is it, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. But they're I, they're treating it like hmm. it's like it's an an enablement pa- platform. They're treating it as a way that it's going to somehow you know, provide access to more people when I just don't buy it. Even even with 4G, which 5G is going to be built on top of the current 4G infrastructure. I still don't have great coverage. I still don't have great connectivity. The fact that they're going to change the spectrum, which is going to allow more throughput, does not change any of that. Um, so I'm just not buying it, but it's the latest buzzword that somehow 5G and the media is loving it. They're going to transform things. you are going to, have more iOS of de- IoT devices on it and things are going to communicate and you have more access. And it's nothing but a big buzz. It's the latest kind of buzz around yeah. things that they want to exist but don't exist.
0: Well, and so to me, the big thing about 5G is they're saying this, this is what will, after, after, okay, if, you, if when 5G is deployed to your area, the, you will not have a single data stream, f- physical data cable, whether right. it's optical or copper, or whatever, going to your house. Right. Meanwhile, I can't even have a cell phone conversation in my house. And I live yep. right off the tollway in Frisco, Texas, which I know is this it's most people don't have heard of it because it's so new, <laughs> but you know, very technologically advanced area. Yeah. And I can't get a phone call in my house.
1: And th- these are thought with, without pro- Wi-Fi.
0: Luckily, my phone does that Wi-Fi calling or whatever. So when I'm home, it uses my Wi-Fi <laughs> for my phone signal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I mean, this this is all born from the one percenters. This is all born from people in a bubble that live in dense cities that have great connectivity to to wireless towers that think this is going to be the next big thing. Well,
0: look at like um, the, I don't know if you've seen this news around Directv this week. Um, so a while back, Directv launched this new service called Directv Now, which is not as many channels, but it's um it's completely over the internet, your internet, so it competes with YouTube TV and mm-hmm. PlayStation View and. The other ones, I mean, Netflix, um, net, Sling, yeah, I mean, these things that do live live TV. So like, yeah. you know, you get your, all your locals and your CNNs and your Fox News and your sports and all that. Like Spectrum live, live does it as well, right? Um, and Directv, I mean, they've they've had a series of announcements over the past couple of weeks has just been confusing everyone because they've had Directv now. Now they're going to have an um, AT and AT&T who bought Directv about a year or two ago has their own AT and streaming thing, which is similar but lower end that doesn't have near as much stuff as Directv now. And DirecTV is now going to have a new service just called DirecTV Streaming, which is, which people are trying to figure out, like, is that going to be, is that better than DirecTV now or slightly less? But they've already also announced that they're not, they're not launching another, because these satellites they have, you know, because they're, sort of, they're a satellite TV company. Mm-hmm. You know, over time, I don't know how long these things last, 10, 20 years, but they, they fall out of service. They've got to be replaced and whatever. And they, they're not going to replace another. They literally never, fall they'll, out they'll, of service? Well, they, if you actually don't, yeah, if you don't watch out, they will literally fall out of service. <laughs> <laughs> um. But they say they'll they'll never not launch another satellite again. The the, the need for you know, birds in the sky is is done. Wow. Now some people out in rural rural areas say that when you've had a couple of beers. Rural. rural. It's like a, did, you, did you ever see the Dana Carper thing on ju- ju- the judicial system? Like no matter how <laughs> sober you are, it, may, it will make you sound drunk when you try to say that. Judicial, <laughs> judicial system. system.
1: <laughs> Jinx! you got to buy of coke. <laughs>
0: But yeah, and, and people in r- rural areas, I mean, the only internet they get is bu- that's above, you know, 56K dial-up modem is because of, um, they get through that, that horrible um, satellite internet service. And satellite TV, that's all the TV you're going to get, to is, is via satellite. So. Yeah. And I don't think 5G solves that, because I feel like 5G is, is shorter reach than 4G is. Like, you have to have more antennas in more places, or what do they call them? Towers, I guess. Towers, yeah. Transmitters.
1: All right. Well, you had a few things after my list. Uh, you had Flutter and you had Well, you had, you were talking oh, about talking, Azure. Talking
0: about Azure. Yeah, so Flutter is um is
1: 1.0. That's nice. What is Flutter again? Remind me. So,
0: and I and I really haven't done much with it. I mean, I played with it a while back, probably a year ago. Mhm. But it's 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 a Google, right? Gosh, I forgot that. sure it's Google it's a it started out as a way a, a new way to to build mobile cross platform mobile apps and it's quite different than the cordova's and the react natives of the world you first of all you write you write the applications in dart okay. which
1: is their kind of javascript replacement y kind of language before it's, it bu- it's like javascript but strongly typed and it it'll compile down to javascript yeah
0: and so it's and well,
1: it, 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 if it's, you wanted it to. Like, if thing. you wanted to run it in browsers, you can compile it yeah, down on JavaScript. Yeah, but
0: the problem, the problem with Dart is, since then, JavaScript's gotten a lot better, and also, like, TypeScript has kind of just taken off. Yeah. But Dart's still a thing. And I, I mean, I'm sure it's, I, hey, I'll I'd, I'd take Dart over Apex, <laughs> right? No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Chris. <laughs> um, but it's, um, you know, compared to, I guess the closest comparison would be React Native, which... You know, uses I guess native components, but still is using JavaScript and I don't know. Uh, Flutter just seems more native, and and it's got kind of, it's getting more. The ecosystem's getting more advanced and mature now, so you've got you know better frameworks and components and things like that. And it's just more native, but still while still being cross platform.
1: Is it is it cross platform only, geared towards mobile, or can you run desktop with it? Well, as well? that's now you just are you. Are you leading me here? No, like, I'm you know? asking. Yeah, no,
0: so that's it. Part of the news is actually is that um, they're expanding it to, I think, be more desktop. And again, I actually have not, like these couple of links about in here. I didn't even read these yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, I, but I did scan through and I yeah, there, there seems to be they're targeting um, yeah other than just mobile. So, interesting. I, I'd really think, I mean, just, just based on the traction I've seen around Flutter and, of course, from playing with it a, a while back, it it's, it seems to be very promising. I mean, I'd, i my problem is I just haven't had, I haven't done a mobile project in a significant one in, in probably a year or so now, or mm-hmm. over a year maybe. Um, so I just haven't had, a, I need a, I need a good project to, I should probably just, you know, create something, do a little, a side project. Yeah. So you To use it. That's what you have to do with these things. You've got to create a side project. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's the only way to really learn something other than just trial by fire, you know, like, a real project. But it you is, don't have but, a real it project, is, but there's,
1: there's nothing like the challenge of a client who has a specific requirement that that forces you to either dig deep into the technology or you gain the most knowledge. Uh, I always find it hard. I, I can, yeah, I can do the hello worlds. I can kind of modify it and build something, you know, come up with some fake requirements, but it's, there's nothing more challenging than, than a customer's requirements because they, they, they're really creative. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. Nothing like learning on the job, huh?
1: Yeah. All right, John. And we'll to hear. that, I say no. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Anything else?
1: No. A- I say. I say we've been we've been pretty long winded. I say we can yeah, wrap we it have. up unless the community live community has anything for us to talk about. But I would say let's wrap it up. Um. Okay. <laughs> I'm just checking the channel
0: here. We do have. Uh, so for people who don't know, we 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 have been broadcasting. I know that's not the right term. These streaming, I guess, streaming live,
1: mm-hmm.
0: streaming live. <laughs> Monday, Monday, Monday. <laughs> Except it's not Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday, right. Uh is at uh, about three PM central. So find that in whatever your time zone is. Um Yeah, it's fun. We have a live channel on our Slack. And if you're not on our Slack, you just go to com. click on community, enter your email address, and John will add you manually because Slack. Yep. But yeah, it's been fun. We've got I think we've gotten it down to where it's kind of easy for us now. So yeah. Uh, I don't know how much of a crowd we have today, but uh, yeah, it's it's fun. So if you're you know sitting around and don't have much to do, join our join our live our live show,
1: where you can interact. Yeah, if you go to our live channel at the top of the link is the link uh, in the topic the link to our uh, broadcast feed.
0: As one uh, they is one of these say, we'll embed that in our in our homepage? is yeah. that what's what called a homepage, Sean?
1: Homepage? Our homepage, our website, <laughs> uh, which will hopefully be transitioned by the new year
0: oh oh i'm you know what i can't remember the name of it now i meant to ask you about this there's some again i heard this on some other podcast but there's this podcasting platform that's totally taken off and it's not your it's not your boyfriends no no um damn it i'll have to remind me to look that up and
1: you know what's funny i'm on i'm on the slack channel with uh mr Mr. benjamin yeah uh he, he's he got a pretty dry sense of humor <laughs>
0: Oh, he's funny. He's got. He's well. Unlocked. He's funny, he's a, yeah. but if you he's don't funny.
1: know, he's trying to be funny. You can take it the wrong way, and and so I have. To, I find myself having to go. Okay, that's Dan. I got to remember that's Dan.
0: <laughs> it's, it's one of these all-in-one, you know, solution things. But they were saying that it was like you know, it sounded like it was some huge thing. Are you gonna and make me change? No, no, not no. All right. Well, you're in charge. It's your job. That's your job. You're not in your charge of that. I'm not gonna make you change anything. All
1: right, I'll anyway, figure it out.
0: All right. Um, so uh, if you have questions or topics for us shoot us an email info at gooddayserpodcast.com uh, we have a twitter good Day, Sir p-d-c-s-t the best twitter handle ever Yeah. Um, so uh, follow us and uh, retweet us and all that good business tell your friends we need more revenue on this show we need, we need fresh blood
1: zero times a million right <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> we'll make it up in volume that's right <laughs> what else John that's it you like these beers the, wild, the, wild,
1: the wild, stallion. wild Stallions. Which we did get confirmation is a Bill and Ted's reference. Yeah, I saw that. Who was that? We have to give credit. Scott Covert. Oh, Scott. Uh, I think Brett also chimed yeah. in on that. Yeah.
0: All right, John. Well, you are a Wild Stallion, especially now
1: that you've had this. <laughs> what can I say except end to that? I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.
0: Rabba lava lava ding dong, raba lava ding.